The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman, Brett King and Cameron Colley. much indeed and welcome along to another episode of The Boys of Tech. This is episode 120 for Monday 13 June 2011. My name is Edwin Herman, I'm coming to you live from Wellington, New Zealand, as is Brett King who joins us over Skype. Welcome along Brett. Howdy. Brett, you and I went to a 40th birthday party just uh, on the weekend, didn't we? Uh, yes. And we caught up with a few old friends, didn't we? Mm. Always good to do that. Now, I also want to introduce Cameron Colley from Drinkle coming to us also over Skype uh, from Brisbane, Australia. Welcome along, Cam. Hello. It's good to have you uh, on the show as, as usual now, really, these days. It is pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. And we're also welcoming Alec Doughty, also from Drinkle and also from Brisbane, Australia. Welcome along, Alec. Thanks for having me back again. This will be your third episode, I believe, with us. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for having me back. Oh, you're most welcome. It's our pleasure. Now, this week, as you all know, was a big week for Apple. Uh, It was WWDC, and they had some fairly major announcements. And you know what? Every time Apple hold a big event, not a lot else happens in tech. Either that or not a lot else is reported. So it's going to be a lot of Apple stuff on this show, but there are a couple other things non-Apple related as well later on. So first of all, uh, WWDC kicked off and it pretty much started like this with Steve Jobs. So we've got an awesome morning together this morning. Uh, and thank you for coming so much. We, uh, we have over 5,200 attendees here today. We sold out within two hours. I'm sorry, this is the biggest place we can get uh, to have this, so I'm sorry for all those people that couldn't make it. Um, And we wish we could uh, sell more tickets, but we don't know where to have it if we do. 5,200 attendees. It's pretty big. That's pretty big. I mean, where, where, he's got a good point. Where would you have it if if you were bigger than that? Brett's thinking, and they're all drinking the Kool-Aid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> there were basically well, three main things announced weren't they the three main things this is Steve Jobs uh, telling you what those three things are if the hardware is the the brain and the sinew of our products the software in them is their soul and today we are going to talk about software we've got some great stuff to talk about OS Ten Lion iOS 5, and some kind of interesting new cloud stuff. Yeah, so should we start with OS 10 Lion, Mac OS 10 Lion? I know, Cam, you'll be excited about this. You're a fairly dedicated Mac user, as as I am too. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm excited. I'm always excited. Mainly because it's so cheap to upgrade as well. Oh, yeah, now, what yeah, the was it? It used to be a real hassle, like, well, not a hassle, but, you know, Windows, you'd have to still have to pay over $100 or something. To get your upgrade or whatever, but no, they, Mac always does it. And it's fairly, fairly decent. This is cheaper than normal. Normally, it's around about I think forty dollars, and it's it's only thirty dollars, twenty nine ninety nine. I think it was wasn't it one? It was normally one twenty nine. Snow Leopard was I think forty US. 
was but, it? Yeah, it was. But prior to that, Leopard and Tiger before that were both 129. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. progressively been getting cheaper. Yeah, it has. Yeah, Snow Leopard. And I think. Well, I think with Snow Leopard, it was not really considered a major upgrade, was it? Really? It was <laughs> a lot new in Snow Leopard. Yeah, there was just some uh, like compatibility stuff and and some security fixes and, and and a couple of tweaks. So yes, you're right. It's only thirty US dollars to upgrade, and it's via the uh, what's it called, the App Store. Now, some of the things that that they put in, and I, I just get you your opinion on this, guys. Uh, what do you think about them? First of all, a few examples here: Safari multi-touch gestures uh, for history, for example. So if you want to go back and view the history that you know, pages you viewed before, all you do is swipe a page off and you see what's underneath and you keep swiping them off or swiping them back on simple but effective what do you think nice um, i think it's pretty cool i like the in, in, the integration of touch um into it but i'm, I'm not sure how much use it's actually going to get being that the, all of the touch gestures are actually based on the touchpad rather than on the screen and like Pinching and zooming and, and swiping to navigate and those sorts of things make a lot more sense when you're actually touching the thing you're looking at. Yeah, well, I, would you, I don't know. Would you agree I've with that? actually tried it on a MacBook Pro using the touchpad and it does become quite intuitive. Yeah, after it does. You you, even though you're not touching it, Brett? Yeah, even though you're not touching it because yeah. your hand is closer to your body on the touchpad and you're looking at the screen and... You just get past the fact that you're not seeing your hands swiping the screen. Because the other thing to remember is that all the Apple hardware now comes with a... Uh, Multi-touch-enabled uh, touchpad. Well, uh, well, at least the, the mouse is. Does it also come with a touch? I thought that was optional, but the mouse certainly has a, a sort of touch surface on it anyway. Well, all the laptops definitely come with the touchpad. Oh, all the laptops yeah. do, absolutely. All the yeah. multi- and you can purchase a touchpad. Yeah, those magic pads house, or whatever yeah. they're called. Magic pad, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, great. well, yeah, but don't don't forget the for the desktops. The, the, what I'm saying is that the mouse itself is a is basically a a mouse Correct, and yeah. a touchpad in one. Yeah, yeah, it is for the desktop. So you don't actually need the the additional, but you can get it. Full screen apps. We're not talking about full screen like Maximize and Windows. We're talking about literally full screen where where you've got no menu, no dock, no bits on the side, no widgets, nothing. It just <laughs> takes up the whole screen. I right into like the menus. OS. <laughs> But you yeah, can toggle well, I mean, it on and off. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You don't have to use it, but I think you know. You know, I tell you one. I think the demo that they showed is is a very good example of where you might want to do full screen, and that is with iPhoto. Uh, with iPhoto, you're doing a lot of stuff, and you're not doing it in menus. You're, yeah. you're you're navigating around your photos, moving between albums, opening them, viewing them, going to the next one. Uh, but can you imagine doing? Having like a video editing or a photo editing or garage band without menus, without your palettes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how those how those work with the little palettes. They would obviously still require windows. palettes and menus. It's just you wouldn't have that little silver border around them. I tell you what, I think is they so you've ha- gained yourself maybe ten extra pixels. Yeah, probably at the top less. Of the screen. Five pixels on the width and maybe. 10, 15 pixels, top and bottom. I'll tell you what they have done nicer with the full screen, and that is that to get your desktop, you don't have to unfull screen it. You basically swipe it away, and you get your desktop, which is on the left, do what you need to do, and swipe back, and, and you're back into your full screen app. That's quite mm-hmm. nice. Mission control. This is something the Mac was lacking for a long time. So all your spaces, which is like virtual desktops, and all your apps shown uh, in one sort of bird's eye view including yeah. all the windows within that app. And that's yeah. what we didn't have before. I think that's very cool. 
Yeah, uh, to be honest, I think the Mac was lacking in that area for a while. Cam, would you agree? Yeah, definitely, most definitely. Look, so no, it'll be good. It'll be good to see that implemented for sure. Yeah, definitely. That, that, that's uh, well overdue. Launchpad is, I, I guess, the, the <laughs> Launchpad cl- is the iPhone home screen. I was just going to say the closer <laughs> you exact. That's exactly what the, what I was going to say. Actually, the best way of describing it is indeed that it's it's kind of like your iPad or iPhone home screen. All the icons in a, yeah. in a grid, and the way that the folders are done in it, exactly the same, same imagery, same I was functionality. It is yeah. exactly the same. So does that, does that mean we don't need a dock now? No, you still need the dock. The dock's faster. The dock will always be faster. Oh, yeah, because it's always there. Yeah. So this is a nice way of finding apps that aren't in the dock, yeah? Yeah, it's right. a way of having all of your apps in, in the one place. Does it display all of the apps or do yes. you have to put things in here? No, no, all of them. It no, finds them automatically. Them. Yeah, it finds ah, all of your apps cool. and displays them all. Yeah. And then you can organize them into the little folders, which are exactly the same as the iOS. They've done exactly the same as what Microsoft have done Windows. with Windows 8. Yeah, that's they right. have integrated all of the features that people have liked about their mobile operating system and put them into the desktop operating system. Yep, and I, so that's, that's exactly. what Apple has done here. One yeah. other thing, a side thing, which you may not have picked up on, is their new icons for all of their new products have all been done in stylized brush aluminium. Oh, have they? Yeah, I, I they're have not noticed. little glossy, glassy icons anymore. Look at the icon for iCloud. Yeah, look the, at the iCloud icon is, is for Launchpad. The, is Launchpad. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's the aluminium. Little, it's yeah. a little brushed aluminium icon. Yes, you're I think right, that's actually. Glass. <laughs> yeah, I prefer them to the glassy, glossy sort of look. Mm. Yeah, well spotted. Now, resume is also another feature they've uh, they'll be including. And that's a feature that when you close an app, it reopens exactly as you had it. The same documents open, and all your little inspector windows and main windows as well positioned exactly where they were. That's and in true. fact, even so your it highlighted dumps text up to to memory. Does it keep it in memory, or does it dump it to a file like an XML file, which stores what was open and when? That's a good question. I haven't looked un- under the hood, so to speak. Because you can have a whole heap of privacy implications with this sort of thing, storing bits of information when you think you've closed it. Yeah, but, but we're talking about positions of windows. Your positions of windows and what's open. Well, you know what yeah. would be good here is actual integration with iCloud and being able to close it on one machine, go to another, log into your iCloud account, open it back up, and the exact same application state is mm. there. Yeah. Now that would so be you're like cross device. Yeah, that, that would that be would very, be really very cool. Now yeah. we're going to talk about as long as they have the facility for you to disable it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Not opt out. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't do a Facebook. Uh, look, we'll talk about iOS in a moment, but I agree with you, Alec. Integrating that with in that way would be would be wonderful. The other thing is versions. So you know, this is my favorite feature, I think, in in line. Now apps are able to auto save. And not only that, but you can view previous versions. And when you do that, it shows you the current version on the left of the screen. On the right-hand side, you see a stacked array of previous versions, and you just whip through them like Time Machine. And you can go back to a previous version as you like, as you please. One other thing I might add to that as well is that those windows are live, with all those previews, I should say, they're live. So you can say, for example, copy, paste half of an older version into your current document. That is cool. That is really cool. Yeah. Versions. Is it is it like a subversion kind of deal? 
I guess, yeah, well, it must have the same sort of, the underlying structure of it would be the same as what is used yeah. to run Subversion and CVS. Yeah, or GitHub or, or and one of those version control systems. Yeah, and, and, and probably the same sort of thing which Microsoft has with their recent versions. Yeah, except with recent versions, you can only see... You can only restore a previous exactly, version. Yeah, you can't yeah, actually yeah. see them live and sort of no, interact with them. not side by side. So no, unless you actually yeah. save it as a different version. Well, yeah, mm. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. then yeah. you can see them both side by side. Yeah. But this is definitely a better interface too. UI, exactly. The user interface yeah. is what they've done here. Yeah, it's the same, yeah. same function, just a better interface for it. Yeah, I like the timeline along the, on the, along the right as well. Yeah, now that's that's exactly like Time Machine. Actually, uh, I don't know if you know Time Machine, Alec, but um, I'm I'm showing my Apple noobness. <laughs> that's the uh, you know automatic backup system that backs up your yeah. files, and when you go back, you have a similar sort of thing—a slider on the right hand side with the dates that magnify. Nice. So I'm, I'm looking forward to line. That's pretty much the highlights that I picked out. I don't know if anyone else has picked up anything else from Mac OS yeah. Ten. Well, I really like AirDrop. AirDrop is looks pretty awesome. Yeah, were you excited about that? I, I found that a bit like, oh, yeah, another thing that won't get used. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Why would unless, you, uh, unless you have dozens of wireless devices which all want to share, that you want to share files with without oh, it's when friends come over or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But isn't oh. it still quicker? I know Steve Jobs said the old way is to get a USB stick. Isn't it still quicker to get that USB stick and transfer it's still it that faster. way? faster, hell yeah. <laughs> why, why, but why would it be it faster? It's still faster to put a hard drive on a dog and send him across the road. <laughs> well, well, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be Cameron? Well, I wouldn't think so. I mean, no, I, have, I wouldn't think so either. No, because you've got to basically, I've got to push it onto, my, onto the USB. I have to hand the USB to the person in the room. They have to plug it in. They have to pull it off. Yeah, but by the this, time you launch, this, by the time you get in, get to, uh, what was it called? What was that technology? But you've got to get into your file. You've got to find the AirDrop. file anyway. Wouldn't it just AirDrop. be in the context menu? You yeah. just right click, bang. Airdrop this file, bam. To who? This person, bam. It'd still be faster. The that transfer be- speed. Over wireless, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's, but it's not over wireless. It's just it must be Bluetooth between the machines. No, 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 no. It's it's wireless. Oh no, yeah. no, 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 no. It says no, it's no Wi-Fi saying... network required. Yeah, so it's that's what I'm saying. Well, it's well over, that it's just over means your that internet it must connection. do ad hoc Wi-Fi. No, no, no. I think it's over. Well, actually, we <laughs> none of us know, do we? <laughs> no, because <laughs> well, we haven't got this to play with AirDrop. It's going to be doing it in some wireless manner. You're not going to be plugging cable in. No, so it's, it's either going to be doing it over Bluetooth connection or it's going to be doing it over an ad hoc Wi-Fi connection. Either way, it's not requiring a Wi-Fi, you know, a pre-established access point. It might yeah, just, right. just, just you're saying it's going to it'll create one between Yeah, it'll those create pieces. an ad hoc wireless network between the two devices that are using AirDrop. So you're still going over your wireless network, so you're still constrained by the wireless network speed. No, I I'm I'm starting to think that if it was off in the middle of a field and I wanted to share something with someone, it's just going to work between them. Between us, is that what you're saying? It would still do. Are you, is that what you're saying that basically it will? You don't need a wireless that, modem. That that's not. Well, as long as you've got wireless installed, it you know, as long as your MacBook Pro, as they all are, have yeah. wireless built in, then it will just establish an ad hoc wireless right. network. Okay. The other Mac Pro. Yes. Yeah. Well, is, is that actually how it works? So you have to be on the internet, surely. You have to... No, no because that's, that's that's no, otherwise it would require a Wi-Fi network. But then how does it know where you are? How does it know where to find you? My guess is it must broadcast something. You Ooh. must applicate air... You must... Well, 
you must activate airdrop on yours, the other person will activate airdrop on theirs, and the two of them broadcast over wireless, creating possibly a, a new ad hoc wireless network called airdrop. And, and airdrop if it sees stuff. it, it goes, oh, an airdrop network. I'm going to connect to it, and we're going to share stuff. And even says, and your Mac, you just click airdrop and your Mac automatically discovers other airdrop users within 30 feet of you. It is searching and creating ad hoc networks with Mm. other airdrop users. There we go. So what if I'm already on a wireless network and the other Mac is Then it will obviously... Well, that's probably not relevant. If you're going to use airdrop, then it won't... It'll ignore whatever wireless network you're already on if you're attached to the internet and create a new one called but you airdrop. Can, you can create two. You, you can either be on a network or a, well, create an airdrop. Well, it might create a virtual device and bridge yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Could do a VPN or something. Yeah. Well, you know what we've really got to do is is get a, uh, a pre-release okay. version of a line from Apple and, and play with it. Ah, yes. actually, I know someone who's got one, so I should ask him. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Now, I said that was all in OS ten that was great, but there was uh, one important one that we missed, and this is Craig Federighi introducing it. It's a feature in Mail and how it deals with long threads. Take a listen to this. As awesome as that is, my favorite feature is conversations. It's this beautiful view of all the messages that were sent in the conversation just as they were sent with all the images and so forth. And you'll notice that all of that extra forwarded reply text that's redundant in the conversation is stripped right out. It's gone. But if I want to show it and I want to see mail the way it kind of looks in lesser mail programs, I can click like this. It folds right out. Yeah, this is awesome. I like the way he says that in lesser mail programs. Yeah. No, but really, if you have to see this to understand it, from his description, it's kind of hard to visualize. I'll do my best to explain it. Uh, imagine you've got a long thread. Now, typically, in the in the old system, you sort of get indented or, you know... Multiple voted, indents and you get the header indents. information for yep. each of the... And it gets pumps. worse and worse. And eventually, like when you get to eight or nine indents, it's just a mess. So what this does is you look at the message and you see... The latest reply only, so without all the the indents, straight underneath that, as if it's in the same message, but kind of like with a a page break, if you like, between it, you see the previous message, but again, only what was new in that last uh, reply, and so on and so forth. Built some interpreter in there, which takes, when you receive a replied message, it looks for the other replied messages in that same sequence. And it strips out all of the previous messages. That's exactly right, yeah. And how does it and, know what previous messages it? Separate strips it out or hides it? Well, hide, well it actually hide, hides it. That's a better how term. How does it, it know that it's previous inform- that well, it's how does, how previous does Gmail message? know? From the indents. Yeah. It knows from the indents. You've got to have, the, this is assuming you've got the thread, you know, the multiple thread thing going. Yeah. So you know, it knows what the indentation marks are. Yeah, I mean, how, how does Could Gmail know? It's the same thing. Yeah, it just hides it. And it presents each preceding message as a message in its own, but of course without all the the reply stuff. And I think, you know what, honestly, I, I think this is one of the best things you could do with mail. Well, any email application. The best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> there you go. This is like slicing an email. There's a good bit of analogy here. What do you reckon the, the, what do you reckon the best thing was before sliced bread? Like before that came along, what were people saying? Uh, bread. Just Bread. Yeah, torn I, bread. I reckon uh, milled so flour. I wish this bread would cut itself. <laughs> milled flour. Milled flour, yes. I mean, that's before, got... Because before yeah, that, what, what would you do? Yeah, to, well, you would have to have done it yourself. 
Well, yeah. until we d- invented sliced bread, obviously we only had flat bread. We made it oh, one slice bread. at a time. Unleavened bread? Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Mm. Yes, we made it a slice at a time. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good, actually. Yeah, yeah, you're right, isn't it? So how, how is this any different from Gmail? Explain it to me from a non-Apple perspective. Well, I can't answer that because I'm not a <laughs> Gmail user. Who's, it's, it's very it's, like Gmail. Is this, it? this conversations thing has, has been in Gmail for four years. So Really? Yeah, how revolutionary is yeah. it? Yeah, it's not. So who's seen the video from the keynote from WWDC? Um, I've downloaded it. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, now, so. It's very much like Gmail. In fact, I'm looking at screenshots of it right now. It's it's the same functionality as Gmail. But it shows it in one message, does it? Yep. Yeah. And, ju- and just sort of divides. And it collapses and you can collapse the previous conversations or expand mm. the previous conversations in the current open email that you've got. Man, yeah. i gotta be I got to be on Gmail. You should. Yeah, it's you got a slightly different user interface in its presentation, but it's exactly the same functionality. Yeah, same concept. Ah, right. Okay, all mail programs should be like that. They all yeah. should be. So obviously this may not be a uh, a complete you know innovation. It's obviously an, it's a concept that's already been implemented by Gmail. But, but it's, it, it's, we, it's noteworthy anyway. It, it is. It yeah. is. It's Apple acknowledging a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. the first time that that functionality has shown up in a standalone email application. Very, very true. I don't know if you uh, heard the keynote, but Phil Schiller invented a new type of media. Take a listen to this. Well, in the past, one thing every version of Mac OS X has shared in common is it came on an optical disc. A uh, what? An optical disc. Listen again. An optical disc. An optical disc. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of one of those before. He made a, he made a, a stumble and you're mocking him for oh, it. Oh, I know, it's a bit Rookie mean. mistake. <laughs> yeah. I like those optical discs. They're, they're awesome. Yes. They are good. So obviously he's talking about the Mac App Store there. No, no, he was talking about, yeah, uh, yeah, he was. He, well, he's talking about how you get. The, you the get new Mac, version, yeah, Mac OS X apps, yeah. Of course, it will come with all new Macs as, as they always do, but uh, you can also upgrade to existing ones as as we just mentioned via the App Store. iOS was the other one, so iOS five. Now, this has a bunch of new stuff. Brett, this will interest you because you have an iOS device. Indeed, it is. I, I'm massively looking forward to iOS five. So, it so, brings in some really, really neat features. Can I mention a few yeah, that being, I picked out? And you're, not, and you're not being sarcastic. No, I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> now you're being cynical. Some improvements that the, that the iPhone should have had to begin with. These have been complaints oh, about the iPhone. Look at that. Look at that back hit. <laughs> what a back hit. Now they're finally bringing it like in. Like Safari. <laughs> okay, look, Safari. let me, let me uh, introduce a few of these that I picked out and I thought they were really cool. Brett, you can tell me what uh, your thoughts on these. Notifications. All your notifications will now appear in one place and you won't get a modal interrupt. Hallelujah. Yeah. About time. So you can be playing a game <laughs> and, and, and you don't appear. get a bloop. You know? And yeah. they appear on your lock screen. Hello, Android. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Hello, Android. Hello, what Android's been doing since it started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair to say. Okay. Uh, is Android, is Android still around? One. Yes, going strong, taking uh-huh. Apple's market share. Oh, good on him, eh? 
Mm. <laughs> Although, have you, I, you, I don't know if you noticed, but the market share pie graph that the Steve Jobs showed during the keynote uh, showed iOS as having the largest market share at 44%, but that was because they were talking about mobile devices, not just smartphones. Exactly. Mm. They're, they're rolling They tailor-made it. Yeah, yeah in tablets well. in there as well. Yeah, exactly. To their advantage. Uh, Twitter is fully integrated, or will be, in the new iOS 5. Mm-hmm. I don't well, know if, that's, that's ridiculously awesome. It, yeah, is. it is actually. You can, it, from it your is. camera, you can tweet a photo. You just hit tweet and it's done. Yep. You can tweet yep. from Safari. You can tweet locations from maps. Yep. And you can even get or get it to automatically download people's Twitter pics, you know, Twitter profile pics against their contacts. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that, that's pretty awesome for Twitter. I mean, that's that's, that's a that's pretty that is awesome. a big coup for Twitter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Integration at an API level throughout iOS as well, so yeah. you can integrate it into any application. Yes, that is yes. true. Any app that you develop actually have the the authorization credentials. It's all handled by the platform. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it is just a massive win for Twitter. I mean, it's a smart move by Apple as well. Social is not really a core thing that they do at all. I mean, look, let's look at Ping. <clears throat> yeah. Well, uh, what? Surprise, what? Yeah. <laughs> Who? Instead of Twitter. Exactly. Ping integration. What a win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they know they've lost that one. Yeah. But, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's still there though, isn't it? But it's just not really... It shows that they obviously have a lot of faith in Twitter and where it's going to want to incorporate a, a third party like that right into the um, into the OS and have, not not just have it as a you know built-in application or something. Yeah. The, the other thing they added is on the Safari on the iOS devices, they've added the reader feature. So that's, that's the button you can hit and it gets rid of all the ads, gets rid of all the side bits and just gives you the story in a readable font size. But more than that, it also detects multi-page stories and stitches them all together as one, one long page, yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, it's very oh, cool. Oh, wow. Now, it that is, a is very really cool. cool. Feature. Yeah. But yeah. the coolest feature on the new Safari for iOS 5 is it finally brings in the tabs. Uh, tab browsing. Yeah, I didn't have that on my list, but yes, you're right, tab browsing. But you still have... You can no, go from no page tabs. to page. No, but you go from page to page, can't you? You swipe across. Or just like every other browser. No, no, I don't mean in the same window. You can have multiple windows of Safari open on your device, and you really, s- yeah, you swipe I've across. I've never managed to do that. Yeah, no, yeah, you can't. You can't swipe. You have to go into the the little page select thing, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then you can swipe. Sorry, yes, yeah. you're right. You hit the page select thing, and then it kind of zooms out a little bit, and then you can swipe across. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. No, that's not as cool as taps. What about location-based reminders? This is cool. So you can, for example, set a reminder to say, call my wife as soon as I leave work. Now, it knows where your work is or, you know, you specify the location. As soon as you get out of that location, it goes, bling, ring wife. How cool is that? That is very awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> very good. And it means you could put your grocery list and then set it to pop up your grocery list and alert you when you go to the store. Absolutely. Or if you need to pick up a prescription. <laughs> yeah, you can have it yeah. when you're going past your pharmacy. It reminds you of, hey, pick up your prescription. Of course, you have to have the it's foresight cool. to put this in. It, it's not something that it you know will do for you, but no, no, it reads your mind. It actually knows. <laughs> oh, does it? Yeah, this is just <laughs> the an iOS six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other small enhancement, but it's I think quite a big one, really, is the fact that you can access the camera now without unlocking your phone. That is awesome. Yeah. Now, yeah. it locks out everything else, so all you can do is take a picture. You can't even see previous pictures, the, you know, the camera roll. You can't see that. All you can do is take pictures, and then it's back to lock. 
Good. But yeah, you'll, this you'll, is something yeah. that Windows Phone 7 has. Yeah. You can insta- You don't have to unlock the phone. The phone uh, can still be secure by the, the code. Yeah. And now they let you take the photo with the volume up button. Yeah. Most phones have been having a dedicated shutter button for the camera functionality for ages. It's, and, and the iPhone doesn't, right? That, yeah, and the yeah. iPhone doesn't. It's good to see that they've brought that in because it's an instinctive thing when you're holding the phone to line up for a photo that that's the easiest thing to click instead of having to then take one hand or one you know finger or thumb off holding the phone yeah, to agreed. reach for the button on the touchscreen. So it's going to make it's going to make people be able to take much more clear photos. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense having having a hardware button, and it's something that Microsoft have integrated as as actual hardware spec. Mm. So all Windows Phone Seven devices have that. Yeah. So it looks like what Apple have done is uh, they they had a good phone, but it wasn't perfect. There were a few things that other phones did better. Yep, and they've acknowledged that, and they've actually gone and implemented those things. Indeed, and Which is th- great. they've implemented all of these different devices using a an OS upgrade. So yeah. Instead of having to build a new device which oh, new has a dedicated yeah. yeah has a dedicated hardware button. They have been able to repurpose the function of a hardware button for this device. It's great. And for people using the iPad, the thumb typers amongst us will love this. They've now introduced a split keyboard so you can <laughs> use your thumbs. That is very cool. They're finally getting around to doing something with their keyboard. Yay. Here's the other one I know you'll like, Brett. You can now go PC-free. So in other words, you don't need a Mac, you don't need a, uh, a Windows machine, you don't need iTunes. When you get your iOS device, it sets itself up, you can sync right over wireless. If you do have iTunes on a Mac or on a PC via wireless, you can actually sync it, for example, at night while it's charging. But yep. you don't even need that. You can get all the updates anyway over the air. You don't need, you can cut the cord, if you like, as Job says. Yeah, yeah. You no longer have to tether your device to get iOS updates or any software updates. Those things can come straight down via wireless. You can activate your brand new phone via wireless. It's great. Instead of having to tether it and sync it with iTunes. So that was iOS 5. And the third segment of the WWDC keynote was all about iCloud. And Steve Jobs had the honor of introducing that one. You like everything so far? Well, I'll try not to blow it. (laughs) So I get to talk about iCloud. He did talk about iCloud. Uh, That was the great speculation because we knew that Apple had bought iCloud.com. Apple see it in a slightly different way to Amazon and Google. Here's how Jobs explains it. Now, some people think the cloud is just a hard disk in the sky. Right? And you take a bunch of stuff and you put it in your Dropbox or your iDisk or whatever, and it transfers it up to the cloud and stores it, and then you drag whatever you want back out on your other devices. We think it's way more than that. And we call it iCloud. Now, iCloud stores your content in the cloud and wirelessly pushes it to all your devices. So it automatically uploads it, stores it, and automatically pushes it to all your other devices. Wow. Now, that is something cool. Because if you've got a Mac, for example, and an iPhone, and you, for example, take a photo on your iPhone, you don't need to do anything to get it to your Mac. It's just there within seconds. That's Mm. that's how it works. Yeah, you just need to push it from your iPhone up to the cloud, and the cloud will automatically push it down to your Mac. No, you don't need to push it. It pushes itself to the cloud. 
you if take you it. tell it to. Well, unless yeah, if, if you a, switch on this iCloud syncing. Yeah, you yeah, have to switch on the. You have to enable the iCloud well, you have syncing. To, okay, first. you have to enable the cloud, but once you've got the cloud enabled, when you leave it on, all you can leave it on all the time. You take a photo, it goes up, it comes down. Mm. Yeah, it just automatically syncs. Yeah. So assuming you've got the feature turned on, you don't have to push it up. So it does that with a number of things. It does it with uh, documents, those done in pages, numbers, and Keynote, which is the iWork suite of applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does it with photos. That's both photos that you import into iPhoto on a, say, on a desktop or a laptop, uh, as well as photos that you take with the built-in camera on your portable devices. And also music. So any new purchases done from the iTunes store automatically get pushed out to all your iOS devices. So you don't need to sync your music anymore. At least not just new stuff once you've, once you've already got your existing stuff uh, synced. The most important thing, of course, that I thought was all about iTunes Match. Now, what do you guys reckon about that? Great service. It's awesome. Let's describe it for our users before we talk about it. For $25 a year, if you're in the US, this is US only at the moment, you can take advantage of iTunes Match. What that does is that any iTunes purchases that you've made are automatically detected on your system and you get a you get the copy of that stored in your cloud, right? So you don't need to upload anything. As well as that, it will detect any non-iTunes purchases, like music you've ripped from CD, for example, that you have in your iTunes library. And if it can detect a match, if it knows what the song is and they've got technology to do that now, it will also give you a fresh 256 kilobit per second AAC DRM-free copy in the cloud. So you hardly have to upload anything. Indeed. It is a very, very cool feature. It's gotten a lot of the music industry up in arms, obviously, because... Well, they have done deals with them. No, the the record industry actually loves it. I mean, not all of them. I've seen several stories of the recording industry or aspects of the recording industry very up in arms about it. But they've done, they've got licenses. They've, that's what they've done. They've got licenses to do that. With the four major With the four, yeah, the four major labels. The four big ones. Mm. They agree to it. Yeah. Well, they have, but they're not all of them. Ah, true. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of uh, smaller publishers. This, and, and yeah, this ones. iTunes yeah. match is, is indiscriminate. It, it can't tell whether or not the MP3 that's on your computer is legitimate or not. No. Yeah. But it will just grab it and put it off. And yeah, there are some in the industry who are up in arms about it because, you know, it's kind of like legitimizing piracy. But I've seen others which have countered that with saying that it means that, sure, $25 a year might mean that one particular recording company only gets a very tiny sliver, but that's a tiny sliver more than they would have got from that pirated MP3. And from what I've heard, they're actually getting 60% of that $25 a year. Oh, is that right? So 60% goes to the record record companies? Right, okay. The one thing I have in the back of my mind about this whole thing is is whether the recording industry are going to try and lever data out of Apple about what songs are actually being uploaded into their cloud in order to to maybe profile and find big sharers or downloaders of pirated music. So Oh, that yeah, that's that so how would they a know? A lot of information. I, how it, would, they know? it would just be people, people with, with humongous massive, massive, yeah, collections. massive libraries. If you have yeah. 18,000 songs, it's you could have never have bought them all. Yeah, you've But why unlikely. not? Why not if you had them all on CD? Like I don't understand. Right now, as the license agreement states, they do not identify you. They don't send anything 
that identifies uh, individual users. What they do send to the record industry, and they have to do this, is aggregate information. So how many people have, for example, how, how many times it's matched a certain song. Yeah. And, so, and they have to do that because obviously the record industry wants its cut, and so they have to send that sort of information. But as the agreement currently stands, they're not going to identify any individual people Oh, absolutely. As it, as it currently stands. Yeah, so I know it. Yeah, so there is, I mean, you have to watch this. I mean, if they change well, the EULA. Because they can always change the EULA. The, exactly. So uh, hopefully some eagle-eyed viewer would actually notice that, that and pick it up. Yeah. yeah, and the media would eventually talk about that if that was to happen. But yeah, so there is the potential for that, but they're certainly not, as far as the EULA says, they're not going to do that uh, any, uh, well, as it currently stands. Yeah, mm. we're, we're not in 1984 yet. No. <laughs> yeah, well, seem to be edging ever closer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is my favourite quote from WWDC this year. This is Steve Jobs referring to the iCloud service. You might ask, why should I believe them? They're the ones that brought me mobile me. <laughs> it wasn't our finest hour. <laughs> Let me just say that. But we learned a lot. <laughs> At least they admitted that. Yeah, it's good. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Mobile Me was, you know, Steve wasn't happy with it. And, and it's, yeah. It should have never been a paid service for a start. No. no. <laughs> yeah. And definitely not $100. That's just crazy. Yes. I know. Definitely not I know. $100. 100 bucks for syncing your contacts in the cloud. Woohoo! Value. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it shouldn't be. And and that's the thing we, we haven't, we've implied now, but we haven't actually explicitly mentioned this whole iCloud thing, apart from iTunes Match, which is 25 a year. The rest of what we talked about in iCloud is free. Is free uh, and you get only, five gig of space. It's, yep. only, it's only five gig though, isn't it? Yeah, you have five gig, but not counting, but not counting purchased music, not counting yeah. purchased apps, not counting purchased books, and not counting photo stream. Now we haven't talked about photo stream, but photo stream is the temporary thirty day holding place for photos before you uh, bring them back down and to install them permanently on the other device. So it's mm. not counting all of that. Yes, but you would still uh, five gig isn't going to get you much music if you have a lot of music. Like I would have more than I got way more than five gig of music. Well, a non so I, as a non iTunes purchased. Yeah. 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 Well, you you can upgrade. Uh, basically, basically, I've got I've got a thirty two gig iPhone, and that's full of music. That's a lot of music. Yeah. So yeah, and that's not all of my music. That's just the stuff I've selected to go on my phone, and I'm hanging for the sixty four because I'm sick of playing the music I've got in there. Um, <laughs> No, I'm serious. Like, I, yeah, I really, oh, or even 128 gig would be awesome. But yeah, Wireless so it, sync. Yeah, it's going to cost me the 20 or 25 or 29 a year or whatever it is so that I can have everything I've got, basically. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Well, everything that Apple has a license to, if, if, uh, if they scan your collection and they find things that they don't have a license to and don't know about, then it's kind of ignored. Okay. You, you're talking about music here. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it, they'll give you the copy. Yeah, but yeah, only but if they have it. Oh, yeah. yeah, sorry, only if they have it in, in the iTunes store. Absolutely. Exactly. So yeah. something but really otherwise, obscure. Otherwise, it's going to be used up in the in five, that five gig. gig. Yeah. Yes. So if I record a song myself, yeah, I really I, love, I want to play well, it this podcast, song. for example, this podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, if that goes up into the cloud, that, that counts towards your five gig because 
Well, mind you, this podcast does appear in the cloud, but That's sorry, right. in the store, but only as a, a, a directory. The uh, podcast directory. Yeah, but it's, it's a podcast which you can sync. So technically, you've got a license for it through iTunes. So it would sync through through the 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 proper. No, no, it stuff. wouldn't. It wouldn't because the the podcast directory on iTunes it, it doesn't actually store any of the media there. Ah. All it is is a directory. It's nothing more than a directory. It's a glorified directory. That's all it is. Ah, that's right. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So all uh, the yeah. media is stored on other servers. They've got no control over that. They've True. got no, you know. They're just facilitating the exactly. introduction yeah. of podcasts. Yeah. So, so you, you know, we are quite right. With this podcast, for example, if you've got that stored on your one of your devices, that will count towards your five gig when, you, when it syncs up. Right. So it was quite a major announcement for Apple. It was it's quite a big thing. Uh, I think they're heading in the right direction, is my opinion. Brett, what's your s- summary on this? I think it's cool. I like the icon for iCloud. It looks like a marshmallow on a brushed aluminium plate, and that's all good. <laughs> yum, yum. Cameron? Pretty much everything. It's all made of awesome. I'm liking it. Um, yeah, are they going I in the right direction? Oh, of course they are. It's Apple. Why would they go in the wrong direction? <laughs> Hello, mobile me. Yeah, that was a that was like a, a speed bump, <laughs> or, or, or a jutterbar, as a, or a jutterbar, as you guys call them down there. Yeah, we, we do. We do call them jutterbars. Do you not call them jutterbars? No, we call them speed bumps because that's what they are. Oh, no, no, they're called jutterbars because that's what they are. You're calling them speed bumps because that's what they call them in America. Yeah. Yeah, because you follow whatever America does. And, no, uh, well, we we're across between the U, the UK and the US. Yeah, seventy five US, twenty five Britain, right? Uh, Alec, nah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, your, I'd say your, that. Alec, your thoughts? Um, I, I think it was uh, it, it's definitely a move in the right direction. I, I think they've introduced a lot of good things, particularly with iCloud. I think that the, the one thing that we didn't know uh, mention about iCloud was that you get all of the purchase history for all of your apps in uh, for iOS, all of your iOS app purchases, the, your purchase history is actually exposed now. So yeah, yeah. And you, you, you can, can pick and choose and download. You, I, I could have bought an application two years ago, completely forgotten it, but they've released new versions or whatever and easy to find now. And not only that, but say take music, for example, you've made a bunch of purchases on your Mac or, or on your PC for that matter through iTunes some years ago, and now you want them on your iPhone, you can just re-download them at no extra charge. Exactly. Mm. So have we pretty much done WWDC? I think we've done WWDC. Indeed. So shall we talk about Sony getting hacked again this week? Mm-hmm. In fact, not long after we released our previous podcast episode, Lol, uh, Lol Security, LulSec did another hack, another couple actually on Sony. This time they published some source code that they obtained from the Entertainment Developer Network. Yep. And a whole bunch of passwords and email addresses from Sony Pictures this time. So it's actually been confirmed that Sony Pictures were hacked last week. The Sony Pictures Entertainment apologized over the weekend for personal data breach at sonypictures.com. Ah, exactly. Okay, so they have. So no, they, they've acknowledged it. And the the other big news, of course, on this is that Spanish authorities have arrested what they believe are anonymous hackers. Ah, so as yeah. in affiliated to the anonymous group. Now, I is that connected to do with Lulsec? Now, that's the other thing. What's what's the connection with Lulsec? There is no connection. Is there though? Anonymous no. and that. No. Well, other than the fact that anonymous and Lulsec are 
communities of hackers. They're groups of hackers. And there is the entire possibility that one or two or a handful or however many of those independent individual hackers might be members of both Anonymous and Lulzsec. And that's what I'm but getting at. I actually Lulzsec think there's a big across. do have different agendas. I just don't know when this all this is going to stop. It's not going to stop. This is the, the new world that we live in. Indeed. Is it, is, is it going to cause a, a shift in companies' attitudes and the way they actually behave? Or is it going to escalate and make companies more militant and go after these individuals even harder? I think they should be focusing more on securing their machines. They should. Honestly. <laughs> they should. Yes. They, they would be having this sort of trouble. Mm, because they, that's beside the point to the story. The story is that yeah. the, the Spanish authorities have claimed that they have three of what they call the leaders of the anonymous yeah. network. And that they were behind the Sony PlayStation Store, BBVA, Bankia, ENEL, whoever they are, governments of Egypt, Algeria, Libya, Iran, Chile, Colombia, and New Zealand. Yeah. Quite a hit list. Yeah, quite a hit it list. quite a hit list. The Anonymous have been quite busy doing their... Protests? The freedom, yeah. Yeah, they protests. Uh, the freedom yeah. of the internet and the, the, the freedom of information. They go about it in a very unorthodox way, might I yes, say. Yes, they mm. do. They do indeed. But that's what makes uh, them them. And, yeah, yeah. But they have stated multiple times that they have nothing to do with the attacks on Sony. Oh, they've mm. said that? Yes, yeah. not just themselves have said. Oh, okay, now that's interesting, okay. Repeatedly that they have nothing to do with the attacks on Sony. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, that look, look place. Did anything else happen this week? Because I, I think that I, I'm really we're scraping the barrel here. I mean, we, as soon as Apple holds an event, everyone does nothing. Yeah, uh, but what I've, about, I've what about two things? Facebook face recognition and the fallout from that. Yes. Well, they've, they've, they've the RSA, you know how RSA got hacked sort of two or three months ago? Yes. Yeah, we talked about it. Um, we there's, did. There's, there's been fallout this week from that. Yeah. Some, some they security high-profile defense contractors have actually been hacked and RSA have actually come out and said, yeah, we got hacked. We are going to replace everyone's tokens. Secure ID tokens, yeah. is, is, Everyone's, wow. All 40 million secure ID tokens in circulation. Exactly. That's uh, a need huge to be replaced impact. because the, the hack that occurred back a couple of months ago that we reported on, where back then they said that the hack didn't impinge on the security of the tokens. In fact, turns out it does impinge on the security it of the did. tokens. And so they wow. have to replace them. So they're going to be replacing all of those tokens, which means I'll be getting two new tokens soon. <laughs> You'll be? Eventually. Yes, I have two secure ID tokens. I play, I play a couple of games which use those as authentication tokens. Battle.net uses that as authentication, doesn't it? Yeah, Battle.net uses a token as authentication. And uh, in fact, a game which is on the Sony network <laughs> also <laughs> uses... <laughs> oh, isn't that great? <laughs> now, Alec, tell us about what, what did Facebook do uh, in terms of face recognition? And then I, I believe they backtracked on that. Can you take us through that? Okay, essentially what Facebook did was during during the, the week last week, they released a new addition to, you know how you can tag photos of friends? Yeah. Yep. Um, they basically automated that process and with some uh, face recognition that, that will auto tag 
your top 20 friends, but everyone has actually opted in again. It's the whole Facebook opt in instead of opt out. I thought they learned about that. No, no. What they've learned is that they can do whatever they want and still get away with it. They can apologize for it. True, exactly. Cool. That's what they've, they've, they've become very good at apologizing for it. But, but However, what the was apology so hasn't so actually made them backtrack. They've so, just uh, apologized for doing it. It is still default turned on. I just checked. Exactly. So, yeah, Alec, what was so bad about this then? Well, personally, I don't think there's anything actually bad about it because it's just a feature that's already available in Facebook. It's it's just enhancing an existing feature. You, instead of a user having to go and physically tag their friends, this new feature goes and does it for you. So a lot more tagging will actually happen now. And they backtracked um, on this, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, now no, they it haven't. Does. No, well, they've they done, haven't. They haven't backtracked on the, the opting out part of it, but it now it, it offers suggestions of who the people in your photo are. It doesn't yeah. auto-tag them. Oh, okay. Um, so it now asks instead, yeah, it just does it doing, instead of just yeah. doing it. Right, okay. No matter how good the recognition is, there are tons of people who look very similar. Exactly. Or twins. And have, and well, yeah, twins. And there are people with just very similar faces, um, siblings that aren't genetically identical, but have very similar facial features. Because when you think yeah. of what face recognition does, it matches what, seven to 20 different physical points yeah. on the face. And like there are people who your eyes. Those. Apparently, it's your eyes that they can match. Apparently, the distance between everyone's eyes is different, and that can never be changed. It depends. It doesn't, how, matter, how, it depends. It doesn't matter what plastic surgery you get. You cannot change the distance. You can't change your but eyes. But then that would also depend on the perspective of the photos. Yeah, it depends how close you can zoom in and well, they, no, the eyes are further apart. No, it would know the ratio. Yeah, That's I know what, what you're saying. Yeah, in proportion to the sides of the face. Ah, but then some people have overly large heads. Yeah, but it's still there. It's head. still constant. Yeah, no, it's still, <laughs> still constant the for them. Face. I mean, unless they unless they get a large head and then they lose weight and they get a thin face and then back to large again. <laughs> at least they're doing yeah. that. It should be fairly constant throughout the throughout their life. But you know, you're right. It's not look whatever it is. I mean, it's not perfect. You're right, and so so that's why they've gone changed the algorithm so it only suggests instead of does the tag. Well, that's what it says. It does. Read the little blurb. <laughs> it says it suggests. And I have now disabled it on my Facebook. So you've disabled <laughs> that. Okay. There are instructions online that show you how to disable it as well. You've got to dig down into the options fairly deeply. Yeah, it's not particularly obvious what the wording is for that particular option. Is it deliberate or is that just because they're lazy? I think most it's of it the is Facebook deliberate. way. Right, yeah. the Facebook way. It's a special way, isn't it? Way. It's interesting because they're everyone, all good. They're all just, about their obfuscation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, look, I think that was the week of WWDC. That was pretty much it, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I think we're done. Pretty much. Uh, all right. Yeah. So, Alec, thank you very much for coming back on the show for a third time. Hope you've enjoyed it just as much as the other two times. Absolutely. It's been great. We've loved having you on the show. Cameron, thank you also for joining us on the panel this week. No problem at all. And, Brett, it was also a pleasure having you on the panel as well. Always fun, Ed. And we'll do it all again next week for episode 121. Till then, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.